that constant, it's not quite enough. You're not quite there. You should do a little bit more. You should, you should try harder. Like you should already be there. All of that is fear-based. Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. God, in His grace, showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you should know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and the Burden of Better. I'm a blogger at comparedtowho.me. And you just may have seen my epic big fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey friends, Heather Creekmore here. I am so glad that you're listening to the Compared to Who podcast today because today we have a super important topic. It's called the all or nothing mentality. Maybe you're familiar with it. You know, that black and white thinking that makes you go off of whatever food plan you're following because... Hey friend, thanks for listening to the Compared to Who podcast. Today's topic is super fun. I asked my new friend, Shauna Scaife, to come on and talk to us about the all or nothing mentality. Now, I have coached women for years, talked to women, and experienced this myself. I don't know, maybe you've experienced it too. It's that black and white thinking where it's either 100% or nothing. If I can't do it perfectly, if I can't do it like I want to do it, then I might as well not do it at all. If that's your experience, you are going to love today's show. Let me tell you just a little bit about Shauna and then we'll go right to the episode. So Shauna's a mom of three. She's a practical minimalist. She's a self-professed lady nerd and she's a life coach. She left an underwhelming career, as she put it, in public health inspection about eight years ago to stay home with her kids. And since then, she's been on a decluttering journey, but she's also been training and coaching moms to give up perfectionism and to live on a purpose. In fact, that's the name of her blog and her podcast, Simple On Purpose. She's a Canadian. She has an awesome accent. And I think you're going to love today's episode. So here it is. Check it out. And hey, if you like it, leave a review. There is nothing kinder you can do for me than to leave a review of the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy. Shauna, welcome to the Compared to Who show. Thanks, Heather. Thanks for having me. Okay. So let's start by defining the terms. Mm -hmm. All or nothing mentality. I, I mean, I think generally a lot of people know what that means, but for those listening or watching who haven't mm -hmm. actually used those words, you know, I have an all or nothing yes. mentality. What are we talking about there? What does that mean? All or nothing. It's a way of having our thoughts or thinking, and it's considered a cognitive distortion. So it's a, it's considered a, a thought that isn't necessarily true and not helping us. Mm -hmm. So there's about 15 different mm -hmm. cognitive distortions and all or nothing thinking also called black and white thinking or polarized thinking. 
And it's thinking in these two extremes, like all or nothing, always or never. Um, I, I have to, or I, or I can't, I'm all in, I'm all out. It's a hundred or it's zero. And it really sets us up for this kind of it's perfect or it's a failure. Like if I didn't get a hundred percent on that test, I failed. It's not leaving any room for what else is true. I often tell my clients it's looking at the zero or a hundred, but never the one to 99. Right. So right. it really limits us for sure. Yeah. I, I love that. And I see that and I get that. So what's your story? Why did you decide to start talking about and writing about all mm -hmm. of this all or nothing and perfectionism beyond that? Can you share mm -hmm. a little bit about you and how this is part of your story? Yeah, I think what really led me to this was life coaching. And I had a previous career as a health inspector. I left it to be home with my kids. And over time, I just started doing different work online, blogging. I was working at my church part-time and they asked me to be trained as a coach and eventually came back to stay home with my kids again and just kept on coaching. And I usually coach moms through my own um, show, Simple on Purpose, and my blog, Simple on Purpose. I coach moms who want to live on purpose, who want to just slow down, simplify their lives, and just show up well for the life that they have, for the life in front of them. And all or nothing thinking, it's something that, that I have learned about as I've done coaching, as I've gone through coaching. And I thought about it more and more. I started sharing it on the podcast and different podcasts because it's something that's in all of the areas of our life. Almost every single coaching call I was having, I was running a weekly program. Almost every single call, we could spot it. Like we were spotting it together eventually. And, and the women were like, ah, it's all or nothing thinking. I hear it. I see it now. So it just shows up in every area of our life from how we're approaching our budgets to exercise, to relationships, to parenting. It's just showing up this black or white thinking on how we think it has to be a hundred. And if it's not a hundred, then I didn't do it right. I'm not enough. I'm a failure. And I think all of us have it in some parts of our lives for sure. I love that. Okay. So what does it look like to have all or nothing thinking when it comes to like exercise, for example, or, or dieting, which I think I know where you're right. going to go there, but, but what does that look yes. like? Yes. I experienced that too. And how I take care of my body, right? Well, I ate some crap today, so diet's <laughs> off. Right? right, because I'm not meeting a hundred percent of what it should look like, or all or nothing thinking with exercise is something that I used to struggle with because I never exercised. So when I was like, okay, I'm going to take care of my body, what does that look like? I thought it had to look like an hour of weightlifting and half hour of cardio, and like you go to the gym and you own this certain equipment, like stuff that you wear on your body, right. all these things. I wasn't like, oh, I can do it in my pajamas in 15 minutes in my living room. I right. definitely had all or nothing thinking. So it's setting us up to not even approach it sometimes. And it's also setting us up to not follow through on things if yeah. we're not meeting it a hundred percent. Yeah. I love that. And I'm just thinking about how that has been something that just over the last several years, I've started to recognize just going back to exercise. I mean, I think, you know, the dieting thing, mm -hmm. like that's just such a, a stereotypical joke almost, right? Like, well, I blew right. it today, yes. so the diet's over. Yeah, diet's <laughs> so off, yeah. I'll, I'll start again on Monday or New yeah. Year's or <laughs> whenever I need to wear a swimsuit yes. or whatever, right? Like that's, yeah. that's kind of the joke, right? But with exercise, like I think that's an interesting place I didn't even know we would go today, but I've totally seen that how it's like if I can't clock an hour at the gym or if I can't clock mm -hmm. a full 
45 minutes at the gym, then I just can't exercise today. I have just personally started to be like, okay, I have 10 minutes. I can walk around my block for 10 minutes. It's only 10 minutes. I didn't have the full half hour that I would like to walk, but Mm -hmm. I have 10 minutes. So I can just go do 10 minutes and not, I think the other side of that, and I'm hoping maybe you'll talk to me about this a little bit more too, is getting rid of the guilt with not getting the all, right? So so for mm-hmm. me, I only have 10 minutes before my next appointment. I'm going to take a walk. And being satisfied in that is one thing. But yeah. the person that's stuck in the all or nothing thinking goes for the 10 minutes. And maybe even if they can just do that, even if they can force themselves out of the all or nothing thinking to go do the 10 minutes, still mm-hmm. may feel some guilt for not getting in the full. What have you seen or experienced there? And, and how would you encourage us on that front? Yeah. So if you are like, oh, but it wasn't an hour, like you're downplaying everything you've done already. <laughs> you're just dismissing. It's, it's like, it's called disqualifying the positive. It's another mm-hmm. cognitive distortion. So yeah, they're all related. <laughs> so it's, it's like, oh, well, I did this, but it wasn't that. So it's not enough. And that just keeps us here, right? And it makes all of our efforts, it makes all of our progress, it makes all of the energy we put into making any small change, it makes it meaningless. And then we set ourselves up where we are not going to be women who do the little things. Mm -hmm. I am a big believer that the small things matter the most. And I believe that small things have changed my whole life. Because you may not be the woman who's going to get an hour in every weekday. But if you can be the woman who gets 10 minutes, minutes in no matter what. And then all the other stuff that you, that you want to do. However, like if you wanted, okay, maybe I'll do an hour once a week and 10 minutes, four days a week. You are still the woman who's living a healthy lifestyle. You're still the woman who shows up for herself, who shows up for taking care of this body that she's supposed to care for. Right? So you can't disqualify the positive. You can't just tell yourself you're making zero progress. You got to look at this bar you've set and say, okay, this bar is a hundred percent. You know, it's like learning a new skill. It's like watching a kid learn how to skate or like me learning how to dribble a basketball. Like, okay, I'm going to shoot layups or whatever they do. I don't know. I'm going to work on dribbling the basketball today. I'm here for the 10%. I'm here for the 20%. I'm here for the 30%. And that's how you that's how you grow into a healthy lifestyle. That's how you grow into it's not about the end goal. It's not about running the marathon or losing the 70 pounds. It's about being the person who shows up for the work. It's about being the person who is like, no, I'm just going to do 10 minutes today because that feels loving because that feels like progress. It's about just recognizing yourself. So the guilt, I don't know if guilt is just going to be carried along for a bit of it, for some of it, as you start to separate your definition of what it needs to look like. And just coming back and be like, I made that rule. Like who makes the rules on what, well, people make rules on what exercise needs to look like, but who makes the rules on what exercise looks like for you in your life, in this season, in this day, in this week, you make the rules, right? Right. Well, and especially, you know, I know your audience is largely moms with, with younger kids, I mean, my kids are getting a little older now, so I have more flexibility. I can leave the house and leave them at Mm -hmm. home. But there are seasons of your life where you just don't have time to do the all, right? Right. Even if it's it's just cleaning your house, right? Like, no, like all – and I remember I – I used to clean the bathroom <laughs> while my kids were in the tub when when, yeah, they were, yeah. when they were little. Like I was like, yeah. okay, well, this is my time to clean the bathroom. You know, not every totally. time they were in the tub, <laughs> but like when it got really bad, and I was like, okay, yeah. that's. 
that will do it. And then yeah. so, so being satisfied with, with just the little bits of time you have to just kind of work towards whatever goals you have. I think, mm-hmm. I think that's really important. And, and then just, I don't, I did a podcast a few years ago on I think it was called Hush the Hustle. It was a two-parter, but I think that was the one where I talked about the tortoise and the hare story, right? And and so many of, I think my listeners are kind of more wired like me, where like we're more likely to go on the extreme, you know, liquid diet because the results mm-hmm. will be faster or, yes. you know, where's the magic diet pill I can take or where's mm-hmm. the, you know, where's the unicorn is what I call it. Like we're looking for unicorns. Like someone <laughs> has this magic solution that's going to fix everything and make my yeah. life awesome. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> and, and so, so it's really boring for people with with my personality and inclinations mm-hmm. to be told, oh, just 10 minutes a day. Yes. You know, yes. it's like 10 minutes a day for the rest of my life. That sounds like <laughs> torture, right? Like, I'd rather just go work out for eight hours and have the body I want tomorrow. Can I please do that? Yes. Um, and so anyway, just all, all of that ball of, of just mm. remembering that, yeah, it's, it's, the the race is a long haul, <laughs> right? Yes, and just I think yes. those little investments of time, you know, I was thinking even as you're talking about exercise, just about Bible reading. I mean, mm-hmm. how many times it would be like, well, I don't have the full 15 minutes to sit down this morning because I've got an, you know, an appointment in a couple of minutes and being able to be like, you yeah. know what, even if I can just read the verse of the day, that's something. Yeah. Right. We can yes. put those kind of all or nothing expectations on every aspect of our life and it's, it's not helping us out. So yeah, it shifts us from being outcome focused, which is like what I hear you saying with like, I just want to lose the weight and be there. I just want to get there. I just want to have the whole Bible read. I just want to be this a certain weight. It shifts us from being outcome based to being process based. Right. So we're here for the process. We're here for what it looks like to be someone who does this every day. And I just think like, we wouldn't talk to our kids like this. Like our kid wouldn't be like, oh, mom, I only read one chapter. I didn't read the whole book. Mm. We wouldn't be like, well, you didn't read the whole book. Like, I guess you're going to fail or <laughs> you, you should have figured it out or like, why even bother? Like we wouldn't say that to them, but we right. say it to ourselves, right? right? We're like, oh, great. You read one chapter today. You can do another chapter tomorrow. Like right. you're going to get there. tired of comparing yourself to others? It's time to break free, my friend. Check out comparedtohu.me online and you'll find a ton of great resources, blog posts, videos, and so much more to help you stop comparing and start living. And make sure you sign up for my exclusive email list while you're there. I send my email friends things I don't send anyone else. You can also find out more about my brand new book, The Burden of Better, How a Comparison-Free Life Leads to Joy, peace and rest. If you're tired of battling comparison, friend, I wrote this book just for you. Check it out right after this episode, of course. In that I hear we have a difficult time giving ourselves grace, but, (laughs) but I also hear that maybe we've learned some of these behaviors, right? Because like, Mm -hmm. I mean, okay. okay, So so some of us did have parents that were that, that were that hard on us. Right. Right. Um, right. But where, where does this thinking come from generally? 
Mm -hmm. It comes from most all thinking, how it evolves in us as we grow. It's just something that we have picked up over the years. We interpret the rules of the world, how we should view ourselves, how we should view ourselves in relationship to others as we're growing up from our parents, from our teachers, from our culture, from, from media. That's definitely a big influence that we have. And we're taking all this information in. And our brain is memorizing all of these rules, all these rules we need to remember, these judgments, these assumptions, and the things we need to know that are going to keep us safe. So it's all really happening in the background and it's happened slowly over years. And this is kind of stepping into adulthood and realizing everything I believed was true. Maybe it wasn't true. Like maybe... I believe things about money that aren't true or about Mm. my body that aren't true or about what motherhood should look like. Maybe I believe things that, well, not necessarily not true, but I actually feel like there's more, there's something different, right? Because Mm. the truth of a thought can only be tested against what the Bible says about us, right? Right. right? And so we just go around and I know you had another woman speaking, Sarah, on this about how we have all these thoughts but we don't have to believe everything we think, right? Right, right? We have all of these thoughts coming into our heads and these kinds of all or nothing thinking where we're establishing rules on what life needs to look like. We're setting up rules because we think the rules will keep us safe. Mm-hmm. They're going to keep us safe somehow. They're either going to make sure that we're performing to a certain level. Right. They're going to prevent us from being abandoned or disconnected from or rejected. So these rules keep us safe and we cling to them mm. really, really deeply. And I don't think we even notice a lot mm-hmm. of the rules that we're living by. Like right. I had a rule. I thought that we shouldn't be angry. Mm. I grew up with this kind of mentality, like anger is negative and you don't feel it. You don't entertain it. You don't express it. And that really got me into trouble because, uh, motherhood made me angry. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. marriage made me angry. My life made me angry, but I had just thought you don't entertain anger at all. And there's a healthy side and an unhealthy side to every emotion. So I wasn't even entertaining how I could use that Mm. emotion as an indicator and a, and a response to make my life better. I know I'm going kind of over here, but we just develop this way of looking at our life and neuroscientists call it the programming, like the programming on our computer, we have programming in our brain. So our brain is just rolling through these thought loops that we've trained it to think. And we get really good at thinking some of them, especially these ones that feel like they're going to keep me safe. Right. If I can perform to this level and be this and expect this out of myself or expect this out of other people, then I'm safe. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you've been eavesdropping on my coaching calls this week. Is that true, Shauna? (laughs) It is not true. (laughs) No. I mean, well, so a couple of things, I don't even know where to start, but like the anger thing, I feel bad for my client that's listening to that right now. She's going to be like, Heather told her. No, I didn't tell her. (laughs) No, you did not. It's so true. Like, I mean, I very much was the same way. It was, Mm -hmm. it was never appropriate to be angry. Right. And got into counseling and, Mm -hmm. and I just remember, I mean, I'm like, this is when I like smiled all the time. People think I smile a lot now. No, no, no. (laughs) I've come a long way (laughs) because I used to just always have a smile on my face and I'm sitting there smiling away with the counselor and he's like, why are you so angry? And I'm like, I'm not angry. Yes. Anger. Like, that's weird. Like you're talking about, and this is marriage counseling. So I'm just like, uh, look at him. (laughs) He's the one with the issues. I'm not angry. I'm smiling. See? And yes. 
And it was so, I mean, and it took him a while to get me to the place where I could even acknowledge mm -hmm. how angry I was. And there was anger about like, things aren't, haven't worked out exactly like I thought they would. And yeah. anger over, you know, to call it shattered dreams, it feels so significant, right? Because I feel like there's mm -hmm. people that have had like tremendous loss, but I think even those specifics of these dreams that we have for our lives, when they don't work out exactly like we think or hope they will, it yeah. can cause this sense of loss. And mm -hmm. this, you know, this anger can well up in that sense of loss, right? Because we know anger is part of the stages of grief, right? right? And yes. so you, you're angry that you've lost this thing that you hoped you would have or yeah. that you would have. And, yeah. and, and, it's, and it's so important. And I don't remember why we started what brought anger into this? <laughs> oh, I think you were talking about just like being raised that you, you know, that that wasn't part of it. Mm. And, and so I think that that is, that's such a good point. And the other thing mm. talking about keeping us safe and how that's our brain's job. Uh, when I was researching mm. comparison for burden of better, I found the same thing, right? Like part yeah. of the reason why we compare ourselves to others is so we will know how we're doing to figure out whether or not we're safe. Yeah. And then that's also kind of part of what makes comparison so dangerous too, right? Because like yes. our brains want to keep us safe. And so our brains are naturally like, how do, how do we stay okay? How do we stay okay? Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, so that's a really, that's a really solid point to remember mm -hmm. there too. I love that. Can we go to perfectionism for a second? Sure. What have you found? Because I know you work with a lot of clients and this is kind of an area where maybe they're stuck. What have you found are some of the key things under the surface of perfectionism that mm -hmm. can kind of, I don't know, maybe be brought up to the surface in, in, in the course of getting rid of perfectionism? Yes. And I think a lot of women that I work with, all or nothing thinking is goes in hand in hand with perfectionism quite often, right? In how they want to keep their homes, in how they think they need to mother, in how their body should look. There's a lot of all or nothing thinking. But when they learn that perfectionism is fear, what would be the worst case scenario of you not being that way? What would be the worst case scenario of your house not being tidy enough? What's the worst case scenario of you, you know, making a mistake as a mom or having kids that don't listen, be like that's in our control, right? Mm -hmm. But what's this worst case scenario for these women is that people will think I'm not doing it right. Mm -hmm. It's not just like there's a part of, I won't think I'm doing it right. There's that inner critic, but there's also that inner critic was trained to worry what other people think that constant. It's not quite enough. You're not quite there. Mm -hmm. You should do a little bit more. You should you should try harder. Like you should already be there. All of that is fear-based. It's not loving. It's not grace-filled. It's not accepting that we're not perfect, but we are good. Like God made us and he called it good. He didn't call it perfect. Right. right. And, and I know that we talked earlier and, and you kind of said like, who decides perfect? Mm -hmm. And that's just what we need to come to is You've developed this construct of what perfect looks like in how you are raised, in how you feel like you need to perform for your value and perform for safety. And maybe it's like, I don't want people to reject me or disconnect from me or to um, see, view me as unsuccessful. Like there's lots of motives behind that, right? But knowing that they're all rooted in fear and they're not rooted in trust, right? The opposite of fear is trust, in my opinion, for when it comes to perfectionism. How can I trust myself? How can I trust the people around me? How can I trust 
God, like Mm -hmm. if I am not perfect all of the time for fear that I'm going to lose or not be enough, how can I move into trust? Yeah, that's really good. I love that. Yeah. And we were talking earlier, just insider information here. I just, I recorded <laughs> Shauna's show. So, so we've been talking for like the last hour about some of this yeah. stuff. And so you can catch me on her show sometime yes, around sometime. the time of this release. Yeah. Um, but, but we were talking about how I was sharing about how I've kind of gradually come to like, let my house be messier when people come over because mm-hmm. that was how, that was part of my perfectionism thing. But, but in something you just shared about fear and how people are going to respond. When I was on your show, I was talking about how I talked to women who would go out of the house for the first time without makeup on. Yeah. And, and, and so that's kind of like what you were saying, like realizing, recognizing the worst case scenario. So they go and they face that fear. What if someone yeah. sees me without makeup and they, you know, go to the grocery store or go, go someplace and no one like looks at them and screams like, Oh, you're a hideous. You're like, no, like people don't even notice. Yes. And, and the freedom that comes in that realizing, Mm -hmm. okay, wait a second. Like, you know, a lot of, I know a lot of you watching or listening today, like this might, you might be like, Ooh, is Heather going to tell me to go without makeup? No, not necessarily. But I'm just saying, if this is something that has you paralyzed with fear, if this is an area of perfectionism where you are stuck uh, then maybe I do want you to try to go to the grocery store without makeup and just see what happens mm-hmm. <laughs> because chances are nothing will happen. Right. And, yeah. and then you start to, you start to gain this freedom where it no longer has control over you, mm-hmm. where if you are in a tight spot and you need to run out and grab something, you don't have to put on your full face first. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so there's, there's freedom that comes with that. That's super fun. Sure. Um, yeah. so I love that. Well, Shauna, yeah. as we wrap up today, mm-hmm the compared to who show, would you mind sharing with us or answering the question, has there been a struggle with comparison or even body image issues in your life that you're willing to share? When you ask this, I was like, oh no. And then I was like, that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So for me, comparison, I think anyone who has sisters and I Mm. have two there's an older and a younger sister. I think comparison is just inherent in looking at sibling groups Mm -hmm. that when you are part of a sibling group and especially sisters and sisters and brothers and brothers, right? There starts to be this measurement of which sister is which thing. And so I always just viewed myself as the quiet one or the smart one, because I had this, these sisters that were beautiful and fun and outgoing. So I just kind of shut down the physical part of me and just focused on just being what I naturally was. That's kind of what I put my box like myself in a box and, mm-hmm. and just kind of stayed like that. And, and I don't think I really challenged that until my late twenties and challenged it for me that I am so much more than that. Mm-hmm. And so are they like, so mm-hmm. are my sisters, right? Yeah. They're so much more yeah. than being beautiful and fun. Like they are smart and sometimes they're quiet. We are all of these things. And, and just in motherhood, I think comparison has definitely shown itself to me that was really and I don't know if it was being home alone and having just like this in-house event of my cell phone Uh and comparison being Uh in my hand (laughs) but I would look around and I was 20 like 26 or 28 when I got a cell phone (laughs) like Mm -hmm. I'm of the era where you didn't have cell phones in college or anything yeah (laughs) right so I'm like a mom 
with a cell phone and I'm on Instagram at like 28 for the first time. And I'm seeing these cute homes and these cute outfits and what they're doing and they're homeschooling. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time that I was like, I'm not doing all of those things. Mm -hmm. Oh, I should, I should own that cute thing. And I should have my, Oh, I need to reno. Like, do we have a budget? No, we don't have a budget for that. Like, (laughs) and that is when I really felt comparison really deep, but it took me a long time to realize that I was looking at the sum total of all of these moms. I was looking at what each one was doing and adding them up to this definition of what I thought I needed to be doing at this point in my life. And that kind of comparison, when I started to pick it apart and be like, okay, maybe this mom does home cooked meals every day, but she's not like trying to be the cutest on the internet. Like Mm -hmm. maybe this mom has an amazing house, but you know, she's not like she gets take, like there's just grace for all of us that we don't have to be all of the things. And when I kind of started to love my laminate countertops. Like I love my (laughs) pink laminate countertops because my kids can mess them up because Mm -hmm. they're there because they're in good. Like I just started to see my, everything that was in front of me was just so much worthwhile and it was so worthy, but it wasn't defining my worth. Like I had all of this value around me, but still mine was separate from that. So I think Mm -hmm. comparison just seeing that through the lens of motherhood, seeing that through the lens of social media and letting myself really fall down that rabbit hole of like, oh, I need to be that good if I'm going to be online. Like my Instagram is not a photo shoot. Mm. It's just like me and my laundry (laughs) and my kids' Legos and waffles, really. (laughs) Because that's what, to me, that's what I need my motherhood to be. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Shauna, I love that so much. Thank you for sharing all that. I'm sure (laughs) someone listening is going to be encouraged by all that. That was, that was really great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Will you tell everyone where they can connect with you? I am at simpleonpurpose.ca. I'm in Canada, Canada. (laughs) And you can find me on Instagram at simpleonpurpose.ca, the Simple on Purpose podcast and online at simpleonpurpose.ca. I think everyone knew you were in Canada when you said the word A B O U T. Did I? Yes, Did I? I, love I, love I? I wish I could talk like that and people wouldn't look at me weird. <laughs> I love it. I love, don't love, even love hear it, it anymore. Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, thank you so much for being on this show again. Oh, my pleasure, Heather. And thank you for listening today. I hope something on today's episode has helped you stop comparing and start living. Bye bye. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? I mean, you are called by God, and aren't we all praying the big prayer, here I am, Lord, send me. So if we put two and two together, you've got a message to deliver, my friend. Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, art to make, or businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth, unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. I use my mic like a machete, so if you don't like to get your toes stepped on or pushed off cliffs to finally jump on in with Jesus, I may be too much for you. But if you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com today.